Hello and a warm welcome to the Gotham Sleepcast, a slow and sleepy comic book reading. It's another dark and rainy night here in Gotham, and it's time to get some rest after another busy day. But before you fall asleep, I thought I would read just a few comic books to help you switch off from the world and get a good night's rest. As always, you don't need to do anything. You don't even really need to listen. I'll just be here to help you take your mind off things by slowly reading through some comic books and being a welcome distraction. I'll be intentionally reading in a slow and sleepy fashion with the aim of being intentionally boring. That's kind of the aim of this podcast, really. I'll be reading two comics tonight that cover stories and characters from the world of Gotham. Nothing too recent and nothing too old. And like usual, this won't be an in-depth, detailed review of a book. In fact, quite the opposite. I'll be awkwardly and slowly stumbling my way through each book, giving my own descriptions of the panels, as well as reading the story in a slow and sleepy way to help you forget about whatever is keeping you awake. I'd like to take this time to say thank you for returning to the podcast if you're a regular listener, and thank you for taking a chance on the podcast if you're a new listener. If you do enjoy the show, you can subscribe to the podcast or follow it on your podcast player. And if you'd like to support the show, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help other people who need a good night's sleep find the show. And if you are going to subscribe to the podcast, I'd probably do it now before you fall asleep. So now it's time to get comfortable wherever you might be. Maybe you're getting into the perfect position in bed or adjusting the pillows. Maybe you're kicking the covers off your feet or wrapping yourself up in the blanket nice and tight. Or maybe you're just taking some time out from the noise of the day by taking a nap or just relaxing in a comfortable chair. Whoever you are and wherever you are, just remember that this is your time now, your time to switch off and your time to relax as we slowly drift over the rooftops of a dark and rainy Gotham and begin our first story. So the first book that we're going to be reading tonight is Batman 103. It's got an interesting and quite action-packed front cover, including three characters. We can see that we are looking at a Gotham Street from just behind one of the characters. And at first it's a little bit difficult to decide which character we're looking at until we see quite a, well it's becoming quite a famous uh, weapon 
signature weapon as the character that we're looking at from the back has a baseball bat with one of Batman's batarangs tied to the top of it. It's a character that we know as Clown Hunter. And as we look from behind him, we can see in between his legs off into the distant street, we see Batman is swinging from a wire almost, very similar to the way that Spider-Man would swing, but here we see Batman has his cape sort of in the flying or gliding position as well as he reaches out quite desperately. He's also flying over or swinging over a, it looks like a truck, possibly an ambulance with a cracked windshield. But the character that seems to be striking the most aggressive pose here is a character that we've talked about on a previous episode of the podcast, and that's the Ghost Maker wearing his almost futuristic suit that's made up of white or almost silver fabrics some body armor and what looks like uh, free blue LEDs on his chest. And the title of this book is Ghostmaker vs. Clown Hunter for the Soul of the City. And we open the book and we get an interesting shot as we see what looks like Bruce Wayne at first. I think it's Bruce. He sat in the desert of all places. He's just sat in the middle of some sand dunes. We see an interesting illustration of the sky. Almost in sections of clouds and then there's clearings in the clouds with lots and lots of detailed stars and it introduces us with the Gobi Desert many years ago we get a close-up of the man and he says not tonight and as we turn we see that it's a young Bruce Wayne who sat in the desert almost Meditating with his legs crossed. He's also got a bandage on one arm. And we see a much younger ghost maker. He's wearing a more simplified version of his uh, superhero costume. He says, that's not how this works. You don't get me to schedule me in. Or you don't get to schedule me in. Get up and fight me. We get another close-up of Bruce's face. He isn't looking too impressed at this point. Clearly trying to concentrate or meditate. 
He says, come back in the morning and I'll fight you then. And we see the two staring off into the distance again. This artwork by Jorge Jimenez is just incredible. And Ghostmaker parks his two swords into the sand. And he sits down next to Bruce and says, This isn't like you, Bruce. Bruce says, you almost sound concerned. Ghostmaker turns to Bruce and says, no. I don't feel things like that. I'm just irritated and inconvenienced. I learned these three new forms of martial arts. And I wanted to try to break a few of your bones. Before I found a new teacher but you've managed to suck all the fun out of it without trying. Why on earth are you being so boring? Bruce continues to stare off into the distance or now stare at the floor and says, Today's the anniversary that my parents died. Ghostmaker turns and says, Ah. Bruce says, just leave me. I'm training out here. And Ghostmaker says, no, you're brooding. And that doesn't count. The point is to be conscious of every grain of sand. And Bruce turns to Ghostmaker and says, you've already trained with the Desert Kings. Ghostmaker replies, for two months last summer. We turn the page, and the two continue to sit in the sand as Ghostmaker's cape slowly blows in the breeze that's blowing over the dunes. He says, I'm sorry, Bruce. Bruce says, I thought you didn't feel things like that. Ghostmaker says, that's not the kind of sorry I am. You're going to fail. It might not happen right away or all at once. But you are going to fail because you're letting your emotions make you vulnerable. You understand that I could have killed you if I wanted. That I could still kill you right now. Bruce begins to stand up and Ghostmaker says, Caring makes you weak, Bruce. Bruce gets into a more defensive position with one of Ghostmaker's swords and says, No, it doesn't. We turn the page. And we begin the story after the introduction. This is called Ghost Stories Part 2. And we're back into present day as we see Ghostmaker doing some sort of a Attacking backflip and Batman quite angrily blocking one of Ghostmaker's attempts to attack him. He says, Let me prove it to you. And then we hear Oracle in the background saying, I don't understand what's happening, Batman. In this scene, we can also see Clown Hunter with his baseball bat and 
almost bug-eyed helmet with a pink mohawk. It's quite an interesting costume that he's made so far. Oracle says, I can't see whoever you're fighting from any angle. And his voice is distorted. Batman clenches his teeth and says, You won't get him on record. You won't find his name in any international database either. You need to stop trying to get a look at him. If you brush up against his ghost net, his computers will eat yours alive. And we get a shot of Oracle who's desperately trying to trace whoever Batman's fighting using her computers. And she says, who the hell is this person? And we get a shot of Ghostmaker and Batman doing the dance still. It says he's the Ghostmaker. And he's not supposed to be here. And Ghostmaker says, see that's exactly how it's supposed to sound. You used to make fun of the name. Don't you remember? You said you didn't need a mask or a pseudonym to fight crime in Gotham. And the two continue to do the dance as Batman fends off Ghostmaker's swords. He says, how long did it take you to start calling yourself Batman? Once you hit the streets, a week, a night, Bat-man. He's a man dressed like a bat. Very, very clever. You one-up me again. And then we see Oracle as she's quite determined and using all the talent she has on her computer to try and work out who Ghostmaker is. And she says, what is he saying? This is driving me nuts. Batman gives Ghostmaker the old one too and says, he's still upset that I made fun of him when he was 15 years old. And he's even more upset that I've beaten him every time we've gone head to head since I turned 20. Batman pushes the Ghostmaker up against the wall. And Ghostmaker shakes it off and says, Do you want to know what I've done today? I've only been in Gotham around 12 hours. I thought I'd ease into it. But there was so much work to do. I leaked the criminal activities of 14 different district judges to the Gotham Gazette. Your inept police are already taking them into custody. I solved a string of homicides those same police hadn't linked together. The killer was clever enough not to try a gimmick or put on a cute costume. The man is already en route to your Arkham. And in each of these small panels we see a small visual description of the work that Ghostmaker's been doing, including a man in a straitjacket being put into a van and in the next panel there's members of the FBI opening a shipping crate and finding some boxes inside 
It says I also sent the FBI the location of six incoming shipments of heavy artillery from Santa Prisca. Then we get a close-up of Ghostmaker's face. It says that was before I left my plane, Bruce. We turn the page. And now we're on a rooftop still with Batman on one side, Ghostmaker on the other. And now Clown Hunter's approach to create almost a triangle. And Ghostmaker says, And you're busy protecting children like this Clown Hunter, who have already been twisted into unrepentant killers. You always had a soft spot there. And I don't have soft spots. Batman shouts back at Ghostmaker. Run, get the hell out of here. So he's actually shouting at Clown Hunter there. And Clown Hunter decides to vault over the side of the building. He says, uh, yeah, sure thing, Bats. As Ghostmaker starts to chase Clown Hunter and in turn Batman chases Ghostmaker. And Batman grabs Ghostmaker's cape and begins to pull him back and stops him from pursuing Clown Hunter. Ghostmaker says, I don't care much about this child, Batman. It's more what he represents. It's the same fight we've been having for years. This is all too personal to you. You care too much to save this city. You're failing, Bruce, and I need to shock you into seeing that. That's the only thing that you've never really processed. Trauma. So I'm going to get this kid in front of you so you can get a clear enough head to see how bad of a job you're doing. Batman grits his teeth again and says, You're a psychopath. And Ghostmaker gets ready to dance to dance again and says, Yes. That's exactly why I'm better than you. We get a shot of the two doing the dance from the distance. From, looks like a internal shot of a windowsill, one of the buildings in Gotham. With a plant on the windowsill. And we see a speech bubble that says, So, uh, hey, Pammy, it's been a while. We turn a page to... Reveal that we're inside Harley Quinn's apartment. And she's leaning against the windowsill, looking out of the apartment. She's got her chin resting on her hand, and she's talking to the plant. It says, I've been looking for you. The world's gotten real weird since the last time I saw you. I found this batch of poison ivy in Robinson Park, so I potted it and I've been trying my best to keep it alive. I guess it's just my little touchstone to you. Though, I probably shouldn't stop touching it. I have rashes in places you wouldn't believe. And the hell is just missing poison ivy at this point in time and is using the plant as Almost like a way to 
communicate with Ivy. It says, so, what have you missed? All the bats and birds got together and had one of their big cities gonna die punch em ups. And I actually helped the good guys for a spell. I kept thinking you were going to show up and help me fight off this punch-faced lady. She's in jail now. But I keep kind of wishing I had nicked an artery or something permanent like. She says I shot Mr. J in the head. You would have loved it. As she bends down and starts to gently stroke the pot around the plant. Because I saved Batman's life and and then he saved me. And now I'm sitting here in this crummy little apartment thinking, what the heck am I supposed to do next? And that's when Harley kisses one of the leaves of the poison ivy. She says, there's always been someone telling me who to fight. Mr. J or Waller. But I was doing just what I felt like before. And it felt like I was helping people. And I think that's what I got in this for. Way back when. I'm no goody two shoes and I'm not going to save the world or something. But I do think maybe I can do better. And as Harley's talking to the plant, we see in the next panel that Clown Hunters made his way into her apartment. And Harley continues, but maybe that's crazy. You always tell me when I'm getting too wrapped up in my head. Operating with faulty machinery, you know. You always told me what to do, what I wanted. Not what Mr. J wanted, not even what you wanted. Maybe I want to be a better person. Not on Batman's terms or anything, but on my terms. He says, if you're listening, I love you and I miss you. And I hope you're okay and you're in some pleasure dome in the middle of the jungle and you're not scared or angry or anything. And she starts to put the potted plant back on the windowsill. And says, when you're ready, you can come. Bring me to the party and maybe I'll be a better person or something. And that's when we see the clown hunters start to swing his bat. And Harley manages to quite casually backflip over the attempted attack. She says, or I'll be dead. We turn the page. We see that Harley and Clown Hunter are now dancing the dance. Clown Hunter says, so, uh, you talk to plants a lot? Harley grabs his bat and says, oh sure. Sometimes it helps to get inside thoughts outside, you know. Old trick from when I was on the other end of the psych ward. Find some kind of totem to have the conversations you need to have with. The people who aren't with you anymore. It helps to keep your brain together. To hear the things you're thinking. And Clown Hunter manages to land an elbow on Harley's face. 
and Harley puts one of her fingers to her lips and says, like right now, I'm thinking that there's this weird teenager with a mohawk glued to his skateboard helmet when he's in my apartment. Clown Hunter says, how do you know I'm a teenager? As he leans forward towards Harley with his back. Harley says, oh honey, that's so sweet. Did you think people were going to mistake you for a grown-up? Come on, you stink like a teenager. We don't talk about it much in polite society. But you haven't figured out all your new oils and hormones. And you all stink way more than you think you do. Sorry kid, you'll, you'll grow into it and get some deodorant. And Harley being a comedian as per usual. Being quite blunt with Clown Hunter as well. As she begins to take over control of the dance. She says, ha, huh, that was a good hit, you're half good at this. And Clown Hunter says, you don't have to sound so surprised. I've had practice. A lot of your old friends in the clown masks staying in my bat bat. And that's probably the first time that I've heard it called that. Not the most inventive name for his bat with a batarang in it, but still quite funny. And Harley actually says, you're what now? And Clown Hunter swings his bat and says, I call it my bat bat. Harley says, that's great, I love that. You're a funny kid, I like you. As she is almost inverted at this point, maybe flipping over the top of Clown Hunter, her face upside down against his face. Clown Hunter says, I don't want you to like me. Harley says, rude. I am very likable. We turn the page. Clown Hunter's getting quite angry now and turns and says, stop playing with me. Harley responds, look, I'm pretty used to people trying to kill me. The novelty of this whole thing has worn off. Now I'd kill you myself, but I'm trying to be one of the good guys these days. And I don't think that'll fly with old pointy ears. And Harley's almost backed up into a corner now. Clown Hunter says, good guys? You think you can be a good guy? How many people have you killed? How many more did you watch Joker kill? And he moves in closer with his bat into the corner. And Harley takes this opportunity to strike him in quite an uncomfortable place with her knee. And she says, in my professional experience, the only people who keep track on how many they've killed are completely nuts. And not in the fun way. And she stands on Clown Hunter's helmet as he's lying on the floor. And says, but I try not to live in the past. I'm all about finding my potential. And my future is looking shiny and bright. And at this moment of 
almost peace. After one dance has finished, we see Batman come flying through the window. There's shards of glass. Harley's precious plant pot has been broken and the wood is splintering as it splits from the frame. And Harley says, yeah, I'm going to need to bribe the hell out of the landlord now. As we know, Harley in the last issue has just moved into this new apartment. And Batman's quite injured as he lies on the floor and he says to Clown Hunter, I told you to run. Clown Hunter begins to lift himself off the floor after his encounter with Harley and says, Not until I finish what I started. And that's when we see Harley's shoe impacting with the side of Clown Hunter's helmet again. And she says, Hey, Bats, don't be mad. I didn't kill him or anything. I'm tying him up like you hero types do. We can toss him over to the pigs so he can get tormented by our city's broken justice system. See, I'm picking up the hero thing fast. We turn the page. We see that Batman's been severely injured by Ghostmaker. And she says, I'm also picking up that you've been stabbed, huh? Hey, and she leans into Batman's cowl and says hey people who listen to Batman's head radio thing he's been injured a bunch we're in little Santa Prisca 93 Tim Street third floor the kid from the Narrows who killed all of those clowns in the Joker War is tied up guessing whoever did the stabbing is going to show up here in a second and Try to finish the job. And that's when she turns and looks quite surprised and says, Oh wow, these swords are cool. And you hear someone off panel say, They really are. And Ghostmaker's slowly climbing through the window and says, You're Harley Quinn, I presume. You're the boy's target. And Harley says, So uh, you're an assassin or something? Do you work with Big Julie? Ghostmaker replies, I am not an assassin. I am a crime fighter. I am called Ghostmaker. And Harley looks kind of confused and says, Oh, that's a dumb name. And Ghostmaker throws something at Harley and says, I hate this city. We turn the page. And we see that Batman's still lying on the floor, he's injured, and says, Denton Quill. The Ghostmaker says, excuse me. Batman says, the serial killer's name is Denton Quill. He said, I've had a member of my family trailing him for two weeks, waiting for him to reveal where, his, where he stores his trophies so we could pin every homicide on him. Those families will have to live with hearsay now. We'll never know how many victims he had. We see a member of the Bat family on a rooftop watching over a gentleman as he sits on his sofa inside his apartment. 
And Girls Maker says, that's an excuse. You shouldn't have to let him stay out on the street. Batman begins to cough as he crawls along the floor. We see a flashback of Batman looking at some photos tied together with string like an evidence board or clues. He says the judges were under the thumb of an international mob boss named Tiger Shark. Just destroyed a Rico case that would have put a master criminal away for life. Ghostmaker leans over to Batman and says, now you're lying. Batman says, your ghostnet already has the files from the district attorney's office. You know I'm telling the truth. I replaced the ammunition for the weapons from Santa Prisca six days ago with faulty shells and was waiting to take down their buyer here in Gotham. Ghostmaker says, prove it. He says there was a crate filled with live chickens in with the weapons, along with a handwritten book of Santa Priscan recipes. I'm not perfect, Ghostmaker. This city is dangerous, and I could always do better. But you don't understand Gotham or what it needs. And Ghostmaker turns and holds his hand out towards Clown Hunter and says, the boy killed 24 people in the midst of Joker's last attack. More than three times the number of our serial killing friend, Mr. Quill. And you're protecting him. And Batman says, You think that if they threw him into Blackgate, he'd stop? The guards would help him for God's sake. Then he requires more permanent action. And Batman shouts back at Ghostmaker. He's 17 years old. He watched his parent die in front of him. Damn it. Ghostmaker replies. And there it is, as always. You let your emotions get in the way of the work. We turn the page. We see Ghostmaker picking up Batman, but then almost just throwing him down and firing what seems to be some kind of a dart from his wrist into Batman's body and it says I'm taking you off the field Bruce and then I'm going to show you what Gotham City can be with a real crime fighter in charge and we can see Harley's now asleep on the floor and Clown Hunter's asleep on the floor as well so it appears that Ghostmaker is sedating all of the characters and giving himself the opportunity to deal with Gotham in his own way. And that's the end of this particular issue. And it tells us that the next issue is going to be called Ghostmaker's Gotham. So that was Batman issue 103. Ghostmaker versus Clown Hunter. For the soul of the city. And our next book tonight is Harley Quinn, issue number two. I thought it would be interesting to revisit this series that we started recently. The front cover again is uh, a much different art style than the Batman book that we've just read. Harley Quinn, of course, is done in a much more 
cartoony, slightly more abstract art form. The front cover shows Harley stood in the middle of quite a large mob of goons or maybe angry citizens. I remember from the last issue, there was a lot of issues with people within Gotham not enjoying having caped crusaders or superheroes or clowns within the city. It seems that that battle continues here. I like how they've used Harley's hair almost like flames as they go up just behind the Harley Quinn title. And we can see that the character of Kevin is returning in this episode as he's in the middle of the fight. So let's open the page. Start the book. We see that Harley's seems to be swinging something in her right hand. And in her left hand, quite oddly, has a large foam hand or a foam finger. The kind of thing that you would find at maybe at a sports game. It says one master's degree, a year of doctoral internships, multiple counselling certifications, and one way too expensive PhD in psychology. But I guess it doesn't matter now how many degrees a girl's got. She could still end up fighting a couple of angry psychiatric orderlies while wearing furry boots and scuba gear. And she's in fact wearing purple furry boots for some reason. But it's not unlike Harley to have quite an exaggerated outfit. And we can see that Kevin's also kneeling down next to her, holding what looks like a, a bath brush for some kind of bizarre reason. And it says, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. When we're introduced to the story, it says, DC Comics proudly presents Harley Quinn, Strange Times, and we turn the page. And we get a two-page, almost a two-page spread of quite a lot of small panels. We see that this particular scene is a speech on the City Hall steps. And we see that May Nakano is talking to a small crowd of local citizens. It says, it's no surprise that following the events of the Joker War, we find our city struggling and fractured. I'm keenly aware of the needs of this city and its people, and despite these recent attacks, I believe that Gotham City will endure. And Harlan narrates, after I decided to move back to Gotham, I thought things would be different. The Joker, Two-Face, Punchline, even the Batman. Gotham has survived all of this and more. And this is Nakano talking now as he continues his speech. We are a city that time and time again has risen from the ashes, only to fall once more at the hands of another mass menace. You can see there's a couple of police officers stood near Nakano as he is on the top of the steps as some of the public take pictures. We also see another 
large character, like a bodyguard, stood behind him looking at his phone. Harley narrates, putting a gun to the head of your manipulative ex can really give you a little perspective. And the colonel continues, this is why I believe that it's time for a new approach. And Harley narrates again. I'm not saying I expect my own Harley signal lighting up the Gotham skyline or anything like that. And Nicano continues to do his speech. He says an approach that will work towards healing Gotham citizens and not just building over the debris. And so it is my pleasure to introduce you all to the new head of Gotham's secure and fearless engagement program, or SAFE. And then he introduces a character that we met at the end of the last issue of Harley Quinn. He says, Dr. Hugo Strange. And Harley continues to narrate, but can we agree it's pretty strange that this city hands out second chances to maladjusted misfits like Halloween candy to everyone but me. And we see a incredibly large Hugo Strange walk over and put his hands on the shoulders of Nakano as he approaches with quite a warm welcome, he says. Thank you for the warm welcome, May Nakano. And as he's standing at the top of the steps of the city hall we see Harley continues to narrate and it says and I mean literally strange we turn the page Hugo Strange starts to talk he says I am sure the name Hugo Strange is not unfamiliar to you to some of you I have not always been an ally to your city but my own personal reformation is what makes me the best nay the only person for the job. I know what it's like to make a bad decision and what it means to make amends for those actions. That is why SAFE is all about healing. It's about reform and it's about accountability. We see the crowd as they begin to almost lean in and concentrate on Hugo Strange's speech. Says Gotham is overrun by clowns, the very people complicit of the actions. The Joker could be anywhere, doing anything, and all without consequence. The safe program, my program, is here to change that. We get a really nice close-up of Hugo's rather uh, unique eyewear with the reflection of the crowd. This is as a trained psychiatrist, I plan to give all my help to Gotham to root out these chaotic clowns. We turn the page. He stands on the top of the stairs with his arms now open. He says, with Arkham Asylum attacked and abandoned, safe will be a new home for these troubled individuals. And I make this city a promise. I will find the clowns. I will help the clowns. Then we get three panels as a, as we watch a, a news reporter 
in the background as she reports on the speech that Hugo Strange is making. She says very powerful stuff happening live at the press conference today. Unexpected guest Dr. Hugo Strange has just made a moving apology to the people of Gotham. I don't know about you all, but Dr. Strange's words make me believe that maybe second chances. And then we see a cup being thrown at the screen. It says splat. It says that's not an apology. We turn the page and we see that Harley's now stood on the countertop of a local coffee shop, throwing her coffee at the screen that was showing the news report. Harley says, has this woman ever heard an apology before? As usually people apologize and say the words, I'm sorry. One of the workers at the coffee shop shouts up at Harley. They get off the counter. Harley continues, what? Don't tell me any of you believed that big load of BS. I mean, secure and fearless engagement. What does that even mean? One of the workers says, you need to leave or I'm calling the cops. Harley says, leave. But but I haven't gotten my mocha latte with extra mocha yet. I'll clean up the mess, I'm sorry. Maybe I could just get a coffee to go or... And then we hear someone say, but wait, I said I'm sorry. Which is Harley as she's now ejected from the coffee shop. The coffee shop worker says, and don't come back. Harley turns back to the shop door and says, for the record, I am the only person who's apologized today. And she turns back quite sad with her head down. It says, how am I supposed to help the clowns and impress Batman without caffeine? Even the barista's got it in for meeting this town. That's where we see one of our favourite characters in this new series, Kevin. He seems to be holding three coffee cups. Two normal coffee cups and one that you would expect to get a... something like a frappuccino in with the round, transparent lid and a straw. He looks over to Harley and says, Hey, hey, Harley, wait up. We turn the page and... He follows Harley. Harley says, hey, Kevin, I know we had plans, but it's been a really bad day. Kevin says, it's nine in the morning. Harley says, yeah, and that's enough day for me, thank you. I couldn't even get a lousy coffee. Kevin says, I got one for you. Well, four, actually. I didn't know what kind you'd want, so I got a variety. There's a latte and a black coffee and a... The one on the right, that's uh, got cream, no weight. The left one has cream, or is that a caramel one? And Harley turns and says, Kevin, you got these for me. Kevin says, well, yeah, I, I wanted to say thank you. If you didn't stop him, Batman would have, he would have really given it to me. Harley responds, thanks, Kev, that's, I needed that after the morning I've... Then you see her spitting the coffee out. Obviously not the kind of coffee that she likes or wants to buy. 
She stands there quite distressed and says, what the hell is that? Kevin looks quite disappointed and looks down and says, it's just black coffee. Harley throws the coffee cup to the ground and says, only psychopaths drink coffee without sugar. Kevin looks confused and says, I'm, I'm sorry, there's a caramel frappe with whipped cream if you'd like. And Harley grabs that cup and says, oh yes, but make it extra whip next time. As the two begin to walk down the street, Harley says, the coffee helps, but I don't know, I'm rethinking this whole helping the clowns thing, especially with Hugo Strange back in Gotham. Kevin responds, strange. I heard about him from a few guys who did time at Arkham. But what does he have to do with your idea to help the clowns? And Harley responds, strange. Thinks he's going to help them. That was my thing, the thing that I could finally do for Gotham. But this guy's got funding, a full staff, a facility. The adoration of the entire city. And I bet he's not using a flamingo-shaped pool floaty as a couch in his living room. Kevin says, I just don't understand how they could ever want him over. And then Kevin says, oh no, as he sees something. And Harley turns and says, Kevin, you okay? What are you supposed to be looking at here? Do you know this place? Looks like a normal burned-up storefront in Gotham to me. Kevin stood in front of a... Seems to be a fire-damaged building in a row of buildings in Gotham. We turn the page. It says Gotham months ago. We see a flashback where Kevin's holding what appears to be a Molotov cocktail and some fire with another smaller character in front of him with a blowtorch, it says. Let's burn this place to the ground. What are you waiting for, man? And there's a group of uh, almost goons or just angry citizens that are angry about the clowns. They seem to be uh, putting a lot of peer pressure on Kevin to set this building on fire. It says, throw it, Kev. And Kevin says, I don't know, maybe... Maybe we could just, and the group get a little closer to him and add a little bit more peer pressure and say, you're one of us. And the smaller guy puts his hand on Kevin's chest and says, so throw it. See three panels of Kevin's face change from shocked and scared and then he blinks and we see a more aggressive face appear. And he throws the cocktail, which then sets the building on fire. The other guys say, cops, time to go, compadre. And then we hear a voice coming out of the building. It says, help someone. And it says, Kevin says, did you hear that? I think someone's still. The building's now on fire. The group said, I said, it's time to go. Kevin says, but I heard there's someone inside and I can't just. And the small guy grabs Kevin, says, you can, and you did. Kevin responds, no, but 
I didn't. I didn't know someone was in there. The smaller guy says, you want to stick around for the cops, that's your problem. But don't expect the boss to bail you out this time. In the next panel we see Gotham police as they handcuff Kevin. He says, this time you're on your own, man. And the police officer says, you have the right to remain silent as they begin arresting Kevin. Then we hear Harley narrate Earth to Kevin as we leave the flashback and turn the page. Says anyone home? Kevin says, yeah. I'm good. I'm just remembering something. Harley says, well, I guess the place, best place to have a disassociative episode is in front of a psychologist. Kevin looks down to the ground with his hands in his pockets and says, can... Can I ask you something, something serious? Harley looks up at Kevin and says, sure, but you've kind of got the same look on your face as a guy, as that guy in the laxative commercials. What's up? Kevin says, well, you moved back to Gotham and you're not bad. I mean, I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. I mean, you used to work with the Joker and now you're friends with Batman and you're trying to help the clowns turn the page. And Kevin continues, what I'm trying to say is, how do you become good? I'm the one who did this Harley, I burned this place down. And Harley turns and says, I mean, who hasn't burned down a tacky strip mall on occasion? And Kevin continues and says, I'm serious. You're a hero now and I don't deserve to be working with you. And he's quite shocked and says, whoa, hey, Kevin. You said it yourself. I used to be a piece of... He says, you know, I once kidnapped the mayor's wife and I had no idea hyenas like the taste of Pomeranians. You should have seen her face. It was hilarious, but wrong, definitely wrong. And I know that now. Kevin says, so, you think there's hope for me? And Harley turns and says, if I can go good, there's definitely hope for you, Kev, now. What do you say we see if there's anything good left in this old thrift store? It says, I shouldn't be here. We turn the page. And we're now at the safe facility in Gotham. Che large modern building that looks like it's constructed of metal and glass quite a lot of glass almost a small garden and a house on top it says you can't hold me against my will I've told you a million times I'm not a clown we see that Hugo Strange is now in his white lab coat almost and he says hmm as we stood in a room with Two, maybe ex-goons or captured goons in straight jackets. One of them says, get off me. I've got the wrong guy. You can't keep me here. I didn't do anything. And there's a couple of uh, medical staff as well. Two gentlemen working for Hugo Strange that are holding them in. He says, no, 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 he does. They say, sedate him. They begin to uh, 
put the goons to sleep. This is, I want to hear what he has to say. Tell me, son, what is the issue? The goon says, I shouldn't be here, it's a mistake. I had a disagreement with my neighbour, things got ugly. I think, I think he saw your call about finding clowns. He called you to get back at me, but I was never a clown. I would never hurt anyone. We turn the page and we see the prisoner in the straitjacket looking up at Hugo Strange. Hugo just towering over him at this point. Hugo says, never. See, this is the issue. Inability to take responsibility. That is what's wrong with Gotham City. Mask, no mask. Honestly, it makes no difference to me. This entire city needs to take a long look in the mirror. He turns and says, it's time for every citizen, clown or not, to ask if they deserve a place in the city. So from my perspective, you're right where you belong. The prisoner says, wait please, as one of the large medical staff members drags him off. He says, no, no. The other member of staff turns and says to Hugo Strange, as Hugo Strange stares out of the rather tall building down onto Gotham. He says, we've received another call to the hotline, Dr. Strange. We turn the page. And we're now outside the building looking through the glass at Hugo. He says, more clowns. And the medical staff member says, yes, but this one's more than that. And Hugo says, say what you mean, Lockwood. And Lockwood says, it's Harley Quinn, sir. She was spotted here in Gotham. And Hugo strange surprised and says, Harley Quinn, today is a good day, Lockwood. And Lockwood says, would you like me to collect her? Hugo says, don't trouble yourself. Send a few of the others to bring her in. It would only be minor publicity at best for us to reform the Joker's leftovers. But you know what they say. The low-hanging fruit is the easiest to harvest. We go back and find Harley Quinn's inside the burnt-down thrift store with Kevin. Kevin's got a stuffed unicorn and Harley's holding the foam hand that we saw earlier at the beginning of the comic. And an iron in the other, she says. Look at all this stuff. It's like the perfect one-stop shop for irons, foam fingers and giant stuffed unicorns. Everything a girl could need. And we hear somebody arriving in the room. says, that's them. Those are the clowns. And Halley says, what now? And it seems to be Hugo Strange's medical staff have arrived at the thrift store. And one of them says, ma'am, we're going to have to ask you to come with us by order, by order of Dr. Hugo Strange and safe. And she says, oh, please. My mother may have created some developmental issues via childhood drama that I'm still struggling to process but at least she taught me better than to go with some deranged hospital orderlies with electrified cattle prods. I'm not an idiot. 
and Dutch Stranger Staffses. That wasn't a question. All clowns are required to report for mandatory therapy sessions with. We turn the page. And it says with a psychiatrist with a guard complex. And that's Harley saying that as she starts to do the dance with the workers, the hospital workers. So sorry boys, but I don't think my insurance covers that. And she seems to deal with them over the next four panels. She spins and acrobatically lands her foot into the abdomen of one of the workers and sends him flying out of the shop and into the side of the van that they arrived in. And Harley says, now I'm going to need to borrow your keys, pretty please. We turn the page. And we see that Kevin is now driving the van away from the Hugo's men. She's standing out of the back of the van as it kind of jumps over a small hill. She says, give Hugo my regards as she stands there now wearing her purple boots and extending her foam finger into the air with a big smile on her face. And Kevin says, yeah, what she said. And we see the van sort of almost flying in the air as it goes over the hill. She sounds the horn. And that's the end of that particular issue. It says next is Hugh's afraid of Hugo Strange. So I think we'll be continuing this story out with Hugo Strange. So that was issue two of Harley Quinn. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and found it relaxing. Or managed to get to sleep. If you did, I hope that you have a very relaxing and restful night. Or if you were listening to this just for some relaxation or to get away from the noise of the day, I hope that you are feeling a little bit more relaxed and had an opportunity to meditate in some way, shape or form. If you want to receive every new episode of the show, all you need to do is subscribe to the podcast or follow it on your podcast provider. We're on Spotify and Google Podcasts and Pocket Casts, Apple Podcasts, pretty much everywhere you can get hold of a podcast these days. But thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a really good day. Thank you. Bye.